James Paxton's going to miss a chunk of the 2020 season, and Ross Stripling is the latest Dodger to be on the move. We're also going to take a look at Tuesday night's mixed labor draft. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. <laughs> Got ahead of me on uh, my, my caffeine question, so glad, glad to know that there's been uh, <laughs> some caffeination oh. in your life. I'm just glad three. I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15. I'm Al Melchior. I'm here with Michael Beller. And this is Thursday, February 6th. And uh, we've got uh, more news after a very, very eventful uh, Tuesday night with the uh, Mookie Betts and David Price deal, the Jock Peterson deal. And that Jock Peterson deal, actually, we thought maybe we had closed the book on it. But, uh, Michael, it's... uh, Still going on. I, I, as far as I know, I think we know all the pieces there. But before we get to that, we have some big, big news here in regards to James Paxton. He underwent some spinal surgery and is not going to be ready to pitch in the Yankees rotation until sometime in May at the very earliest. The official team statement said that Paxton underwent a microscopic lumbar disectomy with removal of a paradiscal cyst. His approximate timeline to return to Major League action from now is three to four months. So uh, as of now, Paxton is 27th in ADP and NFBC leagues among uh, starting pitchers, and that puts him 91st overall in ADP. So how far would you consider dropping Paxton? Uh, This one's pretty easy for me, Al. Uh, Paxton is on my do not draft list. Uh, It it would have to be something ridiculous where someone obviously is going to jump in and take the upside shot on him long before I am willing to do the same. Uh, I just don't want to get mixed up with anyone, really, uh, who comes into the season with an injury as significant as this. I mean, we know best-case scenario is, what, all-star break-ish, maybe a little bit before that uh, with Paxton here. He's a guy who's had injury issues in his past already, and uh, our good buddy, friend of the show, uh, great fantasy sports industry guy, Scott Pianowski, always talks about injury optimism being the devil for fantasy owners. It is just something that you do not want to get yourself tied up in whatsoever. There are a lot of great pitchers out there. Uh, I'm completely fading James Paxton. He will be on zero of my teams this year. I feel very comfortable saying that on February 6th. All right. Well, I mean, the best case scenario is he could be back sometime in May, possibly even fairly early in May. But, but yeah, I mean, there is the possibility that uh, he goes that full four months from now. And sometimes there are setbacks, and it could be worse than that. I think we have to be prepared for that as well. So, in fact, in thinking about where I might put him, I started with the question of how many innings could we count on Paxton? And I think 120 is maybe the most optimistic we could go because even if he just missed a little bit over a month and you prorate that out in the schedule, I mean, even if you had Paxton for the full season, you wouldn't necessarily – be counting on him to give you more than like 160 innings doesn't necessarily right. go deep could miss starts here and there so you know even in the best case scenario 120 innings might might be a, a little too optimistic so while I wouldn't say I'm going to put him on my do not draft list he's certainly going to uh, to tumble a long way I mean he's going to fall far out of my uh, a top 30 and uh, I'd say probably top 60 top 70 at this point 
maybe banking on that upside of him missing only a little bit more of a month of the, the regular season. But for whatever reason, Michael, the, the comparison between him and David Price popped into my head mm-hmm. because you know, I was thinking about, okay, well, we're talking about how much value does Paxton lose? Think about comps. Think about players that might be similarly ranked. And I think maybe the reason David Price popped up for me is because I noticed that in ADP, he's around, and I'm sort of guesstimating here because I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say maybe top 60 in terms of starting pitchers. I don't even think he was in the top 50. So I think that that's pretty pretty darn cheap for David Price, to be honest. Even though he hasn't pitched a lot the last few years compared to previously, he's no, no longer a workhorse. Uh, you, you figure you're going to build in some missed time for him. I just... You know, I thought that was pretty low. So I thought, well, gosh, are people going to be so down on James Paxton now that they're going to value him even less than they've been valuing David Price? So I ran a poll and the results were overwhelming. People agree with me uh, that Price is the better pitcher to have right now. 77% of respondents said they would rather have Price this season than Paxton. I said ADPs aside, forget the cost aspect of this. Who would you just rather have? And 77% said Price, 23% said Paxton. I don't know what to make of this because <laughs> <laughs> I really don't because Paxton was going more than 100 spots earlier in NFBC ADP right. prior to this. More than 100 spots ahead of Price. The, the injury risk is there for both of them. And now out of this sample, maybe a skewed sample for some reason, I don't know, but out of the sample of people on Twitter – they overwhelmingly preferred price. So do, do you have an explanation? Does this say something about recency bias maybe with this news or uh, re- me reading too much into Price's ADP? Do, can you make any, any sense out of this at all? Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot of people thinking like me probably and that you just don't want to get tied up in a, a guy who comes into the year having had back surgery and a guy – I mean, I, I wouldn't want to really be touching anyone who's uh, had back surgery months before the season begins, let alone a guy who has an injury history the way that James Paxton does. And then also, I mean, uh, the the majority still at this point uh, of the offseason NFBC drafts have happened with David Price as a member of the Red Sox. So now you throw him into the uh, uh, to the National League as a member of the Dodgers after the huge trade, sending Mookie Betts to the West Coast too. And you get a, a much rosier picture, I think, of what David Price uh, could be this season. Yes, you have to bake in some some missed time. Uh, the Dodgers uh, artfully use that 10-day IL quite like no other team in the majors. Have to assume that's going to be the case uh, for a number of reasons with David Price. But even if you even if you just flatten it out and say David Price gets 120 innings, James Paxton, best case scenario, gets those 120 innings. I still lean toward David Price because uh, of the fact that he at least enters the season with. Uh, a clean bill of health or as clean a bill of health as David Price could possibly have. That's not going to be the case for James Paxton. We know that. And what if the timetable is worse? What if he does hit the worst case scenario and it's four months? What if things drag a little bit and it's four and a half, five months? What if when he does come back, he's on a pitch limit to start things off? Uh, What if the Yankees have this monstrous lead in the AL East, which I think is something that is possible, and they ease him back in? I mean, there are just so many variables at play for James Paxton that I just can't touch him possibly. Yeah, well, and I'm not just at this point leaning towards David Price in that comparison. I mean, I'm I'm falling over. <laughs> I'm not just leaning. Uh, I'm leaning leaning hard, I guess. So <laughs> I'm I'm with you there. I'm just surprised that that hundred plus 
spot gap in the, the ADP maybe is going to get erased by this and, and then some. And just one more note on this whole situation with the Yankees rotation. Joel Sherman of the New York Post has been speculating on Twitter that Jordan Montgomery is going to fill that rotation vacancy. I mean, that's that probably would have been my first guess, but for those who were willing to speculate on Montgomery, this is in some ways a, a welcome development. I hate to say that about anybody uh, when anybody gets hurt, but uh, just in regards to Jordan Montgomery, it's something that will boost his value. Well, let's pivot over to the Jock Peterson deal, which we did talk about on our special podcast, our bonus podcast that we did to deal with the Dodgers trades on Tuesday night. And there's an update to that because we didn't know until Wednesday that part of that deal is going to be Russ Stripling going back to the Angels. And also there's been some reporting that uh, outfield prospect Andy Pages may be a part of that deal as well, going from the Dodgers to the Angels. But obviously, Stripling, the big name there, went 4-4 four and four with a 347 ERA in 2019. He struck out 93 batters in 90 and two-thirds innings. And he's now had a sub-4 ERA in each of his four seasons with the Dodgers and a whip below 1.20 in each of his last three seasons. So now he finally will get a chance to just let it loose and to be a part of that rotation in Anaheim, I would assume, without getting jockeyed back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. So with the assumption that there's going to be a big increase in innings for Stripling, where would you put him roughly in your starting pitcher rankings? I'm a big Stripling fan. Oh, I always have been. I have been going back to uh, the, his really his first year in the majors uh, when he made 14 starts. I uh, didn't get to start a ton in 2017. And then 2018, I uh, made 21 starts, and I've really liked uh, I've liked what I've seen from Stripling in pretty much every capacity that the Dodgers asked him to fill, and they asked him to fill a whole do- a whole lot of different capacities, and uh, never made a peep about it. Obviously, I would assume he prefers to be a starter when you have that ability. Who wouldn't? But Always a guy who was willing to do what uh, what a World Series caliber team asked of him. Now he gets to be a consistent starter, a, a locked in the rotation guy with the Angels, and I really like him. I think this I see him as a very high floor starting SP three, maybe somewhere in there, okay. somewhere in about the uh, starting pitcher thirty to thirty five range. Uh, I, I don't think he's gonna blow anyone away. I don't think we're suddenly going to see uh, the strikeout rate spike in any sort of way, but you listed all the uh, all the bona fides that he has. A guy who has always been pretty consistent with the ERA, pretty consistent with the whip. The uh, the advanced metrics grade him well. Don't suggest that he's getting lucky in any sort of way, so I think we can take what we saw from him in four years as a Dodger, about half of that as a starter, and apply it right to what he's going to be doing in year one with the Angels. I think we look at him as a guy who's going to live in the you know 3-1 to 3-4 whip area, or uh, ERA, 3-1 to 3-4 whip wouldn't be so good. 3-1 to 3-4 ERA area, uh, the 1-1-5 to 1-2-0 whip area, give you comfortably more than a strikeout per inning. He had a 26% strikeout rate just shy of that uh, over his last three seasons with the Dodgers. You add that all up, you rolled that all up, and I see a guy as a very safe uh, SP3 for fantasy owners. Love the floor here. Love where he's likely going to end up uh, in ADP terms. Uh, I think Ross Stripling's going to be a guy who does end up on a lot of my teams. All right. Well, you said, if I recall, you said that in the 30 to 35 range yep, yep. in ADP rank among starters. So Shohei Otani right now, again, referring back to NFBC, He's 30th, so he's at the top of that range. So would I assume then that you would take Otani over Stripling, even though Stripling probably is going to give you more innings, I would think. Yeah, you know, I, I think I would take Stripling ahead of him in a vacuum. Uh, this is you know, never ne- necessarily the most satisfying answer, but both these guys, right? We're talking in the SP30 range. We're talking 
maybe the eighth round, the ninth round, depending on the size of your league. So you have built the foundation of your team by the time you're thinking about Otani, Stripling, guys like that. So I think a lot of Otani versus Stripling uh, is going to come down to what your roster looks like to that point. Otani certainly has a higher ceiling as a starter than Ross Stripling does. So there's going to be people who need to shoot for starting pitcher upside. They would maybe want to go Otani. There are going to be people who invested some resources in the starting pitcher spot earlier in the draft, can afford just a floor guy, and you're going to want to go Stripling. In a vacuum, because of what we've seen from Stripling, a guy who uh, hasn't had any sort of injury history in his career, I like him better. But I could see a scenario in which you know, I need a starting pitcher who can maybe be a true ace, and therefore I go with Otani, even understanding in Otani's specific position that the innings aren't going to be there. Yeah, okay, well, uh, fair enough, fair enough. And also, uh, now we suddenly have a crunch in the Angels rotation, especially since yeah. it's probably going to have six members in it. That might make people wanting to draft Griffin Canning a little nervous or Patrick Sandoval. Uh, so that'll be a fun and, and maybe uh, sort of nerve-wracking <laughs> uh, uh, battle to watch uh, over spring training. And then uh, just a, a quick minute here, Michael, to uh, acknowledge the fact that we had a big industry draft uh, on Tuesday, the labor draft, mixed draft. Uh, it's a five-by-five, 15-team league. And Tim, Mc, Tim McLeod picked first. He took Ronald Acuna Jr. And really the only things that kind of caused me to – I won't even see scratch my head, but just I thought posed interesting dilemmas were uh, with Alex Bregman being taken a couple spots ahead of Nolan Arenado. And with Walker Bueller going as the fifth starting pitcher overall, which I know is sort of the consensus, but I think there's kind of a big cluster there. But let's uh, focus on the Bregman versus Arenado. Uh, is that something that's close for you? Because for me, it's it's clearly Arenado that I would take if they're both available. But how, how do you see that? Yeah, not really close for me. Um, and obviously, we're we're talking about uh, you know uh, shades of gray here, almost right. I mean, both these guys can be taken highly. To say it's not close when one guy would be taken, I don't know, eighth, and another guy would be taken eleventh. You know, the numbers maybe look close, but it's a very easy decision for me. I think for you, and that's really what we're getting at here. I mean. Nolan Arenado, is there a guy who's less respected for just consistent dominance than Nolan Arenado? Last five years, 42 homers, 41 homers, 37, 38, 41, uh, 97 RBI, 116, or these are runs, 97 runs, 116, 100, 104, 102, RBI, 130, 133, 130, 110, 118. The OBP is always high. It's been 362 or better in each of the last four seasons. He does that same work with the batting average, 294 or better in the last four seasons. So batting average, OBP league, whatever you play in, it doesn't matter. I know he doesn't steal bases, and we do like having guys early in the, 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 the very best Fantasy hitters are guys who can give you a little bit of juice in the steals categories while giving you those big uh, power numbers as well. You're not going to get that from Arenado, but I mean, this is just a lock and load, set it and forget it superstar. And why he falls to a 14th in a draft like this and why you see his 80s piece sliding, Al, I just I just don't get it. I mean, Arenado, this, is, this has little to do with Alex Bregman for me. And I did write about Alex Bregman being a guy who I'm afraid of coming into this season. And I admit that maybe I'm putting a little bit too much into the sign-stealing scandal uh, when I do back away from him. But it's got little to do with him. To me, Nolan Arenado should be rubbing elbows with uh, Mookie Betts and Francisco Lindor, not at the back end of the first round. All right, all right. Well, at least we're in agreement there in terms of those uh, two third-base-eligible players. So just real quickly here, a featured read that uh, I would certainly recommend from James Fegan of The Athletic, a SoxFest recap. White Sox optimism and playoff expectations are rooted in Yasmani Grandal. Some really 
important injury updates there that you need to check on, including one on Nomar Mazzara. And on that note, uh, Michael, we're going to wrap it up here. That's uh, the episode for today here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is included with a subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be back again on Friday. Mm-hmm.